This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Please follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hello, hello, friends. This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together Podcast, where we drop new episodes every Wednesday just for you. So please subscribe, leave us a review, and leave us a rating. We greatly appreciate it. Today's show is all about making decisions and decision fatigue. That phrase specifically comes up, and we asked our community, our Moms of We Are Brave Together, to give us ideas for episode topics, and this was one of them. So we are honoring your request, and we have brought on life coach and fellow special needs mom, Kara Riska, to talk on this. She has her own podcast called the Special Needs Mom Podcast, and she spoke on this, and it was beautiful, and it was very helpful, and I thought, oh my gosh, we have to bring Kara onto our show to share her wisdom and and practical tips. So a little bit about Kara. She is a mom to three boys and one girl, ranging from 13 to 3. She is a life coach specifically focused on helping women who are impacted by the special needs of their children and feel stuck, overwhelmed, and anxious. In 2011, Kara became a mom to a special needs child as she and her husband received the crushing diagnosis of a huge and horrible tumor in her then two-year-old's brain. Kara became a life coach not because she's now mastered her life and wants to tell you how to do yours, what most everybody thinks a life coach does, but because she loves partnering with women who are asking for more from themselves and for their lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Kara. I am so excited to have this time with you again. I know. Hi, Jessica. I'm so glad that you're here to talk about decision fatigue because this is definitely a topic that's been requested by moms in We Are Brave. So I want you to dive in because I absolutely loved your insight and wisdom when you shared on your podcast about decision making and how you really looked at it's not just that we're tired. There's more to it than that into making decisions. Yeah, I'll I'll preface this entire conversation with the reason I did my episode on that is because it was what I was struggling with in my own life, right? And I wouldn't, for me, I wouldn't have called it decision fatigue. I would have called it like decision avoidance and like spinning out in indecision because that's what happens for me when I notice that I'm faced with decisions my tendency is to want to avoid to make them. I think that's kind of what happens with us. Like where decision fatigue comes in, I believe a lot of times is because we're trying to get the answer right. Maybe not the answer, but we're trying to make the right decision. And right is in quotes here, if you were watching yep. us. Yes, yes. Because we believe if we, if we make the right decision, that we will in some way be safer or on the right side of where we should be. Notice the word should. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, when we're trying to find the right answer out there, we actually 
surrender our power because I don't believe there is any right answer. And so already we're building this tower on a very uh, unstable foundation because we're trying, we're looking through the lens of getting it right. I, I would just say it's not possible because there it doesn't exist. And so therefore it's very hard to get the right answer. And we get really tired and we go back and forth and back and forth because we're trying to find the right answer out there. So that's kind of how I start the conversation about decisions, why we get stuck in indecision and kind of, I think, what starts the whole process. I like that. I like that. We we do put so much pressure on ourselves. And I don't know if it's an added pressure to do the right thing. And I'm using quotes again, like you, because we have extraordinary circumstances that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. We cannot make a mistake because someone might get hurt or I might be a bad mom if I didn't make the right decision. I might not be the best mom that I'm trying to be, the warrior mom, the brave mom, the fighting mom, the advocating mom, the loving mom. We put so much on ourselves. Can you speak to that? You summarize that really, really well. Again, it's it's recognizing that when we're trying to get it right, when we're putting that pressure on ourselves, when we believe that it's a life critical decision, in some cases it might be, when we are trying to make the decision, we're trying to make whichever decision will allow us to avoid any negative feelings that we don't want to feel. Let's just use a tangible example. Let's say you're contemplating a, a new medication for your child. Nobody has the answer. The doctor thinks that it's going to be better. You may agree or not agree. Uh, there may be there may be side effects for the medication. It's a clear thing where there's actually no. Uh, it's an unanswerable question in the sense of it's not a black and white issue. And so, in put yourself in the shoes of making that decision when we perceive that there could be a negative consequence for our decision. Of course, we want to avoid that. Of course, we're like no thanks. <laughs> We're good. Right. We'll just not decide because if we don't decide, then we can't like, it's almost like if you don't go swimming, you can't get wet. And so if you don't decide, you can avoid that feeling that you think you may have to feel if you make a decision that has negative consequences. Alternatively, we also would avoid the impact of the decision for a positive consequence. So in staying in indecision, yes, you're protected, but you're also uh, avoiding anything good that can come from it. So I think all of us can can recall a time where we were stuck in indecision. That doesn't feel very good either. And so one of the things that is helpful in kind of stepping away from indecision is actually being willing to feel all the feelings that are available to you. And this is not something that we were really ever taught in school. It's not something that I think, I know for me, it was not something I even really had to do until I had a special needs child. I think I kind of got by with just kind of numbing and stuffing. (laughs) Yes. And, but I think, I believe that as special needs moms, the need is so much greater. Like the lake is so much deeper uh, to, you know, in the sense of like, there is just like the bigness of everything exists to where I think we we need extra doses of everything. I, I always like to put in something about learning to feel and process feelings and recognizing when you're acting in avoidance or a reaction or mm-hmm. um, just trying to um, get away from that feeling. 
So it's training ourselves to really pause and stop and think about it, notice and feel. Precisely. Yeah. Once you start staying in indecision in one area, it kind of trickles into everywhere. And then Mm -hmm. you get to that place where you're kind of spinning out because you haven't landed anywhere. And then from that place, everything just gets harder. When you get to that point, then you're in overwhelm and you get paralyzed. Exactly. Yeah. No, great summary. Let's learn how to become a little bit more aware of what's happening. Okay. Listeners out there, when you notice that you are in indecision, and this would look like hemming and hawing, not committing, avoiding thinking about, deferring to other people. This looks like asking everybody else instead of actually asking yourself and answering the question. It can look different. Everyone has their own style of doing this. Mine is just going back and forth many times, uh, but never really landing. And so that's indecision, right? And then then we kind of get into decision fatigue because it's like, that's very, very tiring. It's very energy consuming to stay in that place. Mm -hmm. So first is recognizing, like saying, oh, I think I'm doing that thing that Kara was talking about. I'm staying in indecision. So it's noticing it. First thing is touching it with all the compassion in the world, because of course, of course, you're trying to avoid experiencing pain. Of course, you want to do the best thing for your child or yourself or whatever decision that you're up against. First, come with that compassion. Then we can sit with ourselves and give ourselves some space. There was some things I needed to do and I did not want to do them. (laughs) They were uncomfy for me. And I knew it was like, okay, I know I'm going to do them today, but I don't want to do them out of forcing myself to do them. I want to do them from from a space that actually is genuine. And so I sat in my little comfy chair and I just kind of started writing and I just kind of allowed myself the space to be comfy. So I'm just going to sit here in my comfy chair. I love feeling comfy. And I allowed myself to stay there as long as I needed. And I knew because I've done this work enough, I knew I wasn't going to stay there for weeks. I knew I was going to get to a place where I was going to be able to go then step out. After kind of just sitting in the feeling of wanting to just stay comfy and not want to leave my safe place, then I was like, okay, I got this. I can do this. I'm ready. That's a that's just one picture of what it looks like to bring compassion to yourself, right? Like I could have been like, why aren't you better at being uncomfortable? I could have, and trust me, I maybe started this way. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been very unkind to myself. That's coming from judgment. And judgment is just not helpful. First step is always noticing where you're coming from and inviting yourself into a different conversation. Of course, when you, when you notice you're being judgmental towards yourself or even others, it's just noticing and then allowing yourself to choose another thing. Then I think sometimes as we think about decisions, we think, okay, look, how do you make a decision? How does this even work? And in some cases, It's actually just making a choice from the higher thinking part of your brain where you're just like, I'm just going to do it. I think a fun example of this is how do you jump into a cold lake? Well, you walk up to the lake, you maybe get on the rock or you just waddle right in (laughs) and you, you just decide to do it. You have to override the anticipation of the chill and the part when, you know, you can't breathe. And you have to tell yourself, I'm going to be okay at the end. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but I'm going to be okay. 
And I know that sometimes in some cases, it doesn't always feel that easy, but it is mm-hmm. one way to look at making a decision. I think when you look at it like that, you're taking the weight out of it. I'm just going to make this decision. Yeah. And I think another thing I'll put in here is we all have different relationships with promises, right? So a decision, like if you say, okay, I'm going to decide I'm going to go out for pizza and beer next Friday night with my girlfriends. Doesn't that sound fun? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's just say you make that decision. You put it out there. It's a commitment that you have. That's a decision, right? But being willing to make that commitment, you, it's a promise. And we have to give ourselves permission to redact a a promise. It's also the same thing. Like when I'm working with someone uh, in the coaching conversation, uh, putting a goal out there in the world. A lot of us want to avoid putting a goal out there because we have the possibility of failing. So the natural answer is, well, just don't make any goals or make a goal, but keep it real ambiguous, right? So when you have that, the date, the time, the clarity of what you're doing and when you're doing it, and that's a decision to make that goal, then you have the possibility of failing. And so I think what we forget is that we always have the permission. We don't even need permission. We always have the capability of re-promising. So Mm. back to the beer and pizza thing, you promise your girlfriends, you're going to meet them seven o'clock on Friday. And what you didn't know was going to happen is that your child was going to get sick. And so you're going to have, you're going to become aware, okay, I no longer can do that thing. So now I need to make a new decision. And I think we forget, we like, we almost feel like it's a permanent thing Mm-hmm. When you make a decision, you can't change your mind or you judge yourself for changing your mind. I do this a lot. <laughs> I'm totally still working on that. Also, the other thing is a lot of times people avoid making decisions because they're like, I don't have all the information because you think when you get more information, it's going to relieve one, the possibility of getting it wrong, or it's going to make whatever pain that you perceive in making a right or wrong decision is going to go away. So the safety again is I'm going to get more information. So a lot of people go seek more information. And this looks like, okay, for diagnosis is right. More information is going to make you feel better. Mm, Usually not. Maybe in some cases, but choose a date by which you want to make a decision with the information you have now. You know, give yourself a day or two, like whatever you think you need. There's no right answer there. Uh, Let's just say, make a decision by Sunday with the information you have so that you are, you leave the land of indecision and you land somewhere and you know your decision. And then you can allow that to set in. Then as you learn more information is when you have to give yourself the freedom to re-decide. When I first kind of looked at my relationship with promises, I was like, oh yeah, like you definitely can't make a promise that you don't keep. Like that would be really like, you'd be like kind of a liar. And I didn't want to be a liar. And so the natural answer was like, okay, I just won't make promises. <laughs> That's easy. I won't make any commitments and no promises and definitely not decisions. <laughs> but then that doesn't really leave you happy either. Yes, you're avoiding. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Right. You're avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. It comes back to you anyways. When we have anxiety about something and we avoid it in that moment that you avoid, it gives you comfort. It feels safe, but it always comes back around. And this is why I believe that special needs moms, I think most moms out there actually deal with this, but I think especially special needs moms are feeling anxious. They're feeling tired. They're feeling overwhelmed. And most of the time they think 
it's just because of the needs of their child, right? Like, oh, well, of course I have to feel this way because my child has extraordinary needs. And I don't want to minimize what it takes to take care of these kids. Like that is not what I'm saying. But I do want people to think, huh, so you're saying I don't have to feel overwhelmed and anxious and stuck and paralyzed and tired all the time? Yes. That is what I'm saying. Will you feel that way sometimes? Yeah, probably because you're always going to be human and we have human mind. The way that our brain is very good at keeping us safe is getting us to this place where we don't do anything. We don't make any decisions. It's very familiar and very safe. Uh, I'm very, I get real, real uh, worked up in a good way about special needs moms knowing that they don't have to feel all the typical feelings that you think is synonymous with being a special needs mom. Right. I I think we can feel those feelings, but we do not have to get stuck, right? We do not have to get stuck there. There is hope beyond all of that for sure. Yeah. And I think we just haven't learned the skills to do that. I know that when I became a special needs mom, I was ill-equipped to do this life. I knew that I was ill-equipped and I knew it wasn't working. And I think now I would look back and think, wow, I was just so ungrounded. I was so like far away from connected to like my body and, and what was happening and just so ungrounded. And of course I thought I had all these like health problems and I didn't. <laughs> I just didn't know how to emotionally process as a special needs mom. I I didn't know that I didn't have to feel the feelings that that I was feeling. And don't confuse this with thinking that you're going to feel good. I'm not saying that we're going to just go feel all good all the time. Right. right. Yeah. We are going to feel, we are going to feel all the feelings. Um, And that includes the sadness, the grief, the um, other things that like aren't pleasant, but they are part of the life experience. Yes, so true, so true. What about when you get to the point where you truly do feel exhausted? You know how when, let's say, somebody in your family has surgery or you know a, a significant illness, you're in a significant season or you lose a parent, right? And people bring meals. And you're so grateful when someone brings a meal because you don't have to think about what's for dinner. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to make the effort of making that dinner. And it's just so nice. It's off your plate. And maybe that's kind of a silly example, but it brings relief to not even have to think about it. We don't always have the luxury of somebody stepping in, right? When we're so fatigued to bring us that meal or to fill in the blank. So if we notice we've hit that point, Kara, what do you suggest? Coming from the place of like, you don't even want to, right? Because I can give an idea for like, if you really, you're at a place, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm spinning and I want to feel better. At that point, and because I do have a, a nice exercise for that. At that point, it's like you're actively wanting to feel better. So you're willing to do something. But if you're at a place where you're like, I just don't even want to, then I would say, and that's a really good question. I would say, give yourself some, um, like, have have you ever been bowling uh, like with young kids when they have like those safety zones, right? Like the bumpers. Yes. Give yourself some parameters for allowing yourself that space of like, just like I described in my little chair situation the other day Uh or yes, yesterday, give yourself 
as much space as you need to stay mm-hmm. in that place. Okay. To stay in the place like I don't want to, I don't feel like to, I don't feel like it. This is stupid. I hate my life. I don't know. Whatever you're thinking, just let it go. Like be where you are at and don't self um like autocorrect for how you think you should be. Just allow yourself to mm-hmm. be where you're at. Mm-hmm. And give yourself some some parameters for that. Okay. Like it's it's Friday today. Okay. Like today, the rest of the day, I'm going to allow myself to stay in that place. I don't have to leave. I can just be that way. And maybe you even say, Hey, husband, by the way, like, I'm just kind of going to be here. So, (laughs) and maybe you say, okay, Saturday morning, it's, I'm going to be done. I'm going to allow myself. I'm going to invite myself to move on from that step. And that's maybe where this exercise could be helpful. It sounds to me like what you're describing is somebody that is just, um, resigned to like, there's no other option. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a very, um, like I can just imagine like how powerless, um, when you're in that space, how powerless you feel to get out of it because it, from that place, you're so much more present to the challenges and the obstacles in the way of what you want than you mm-hmm. are to the possibility of it being different. When, like, and when somebody's outside of it, it doesn't look that hard. But when you're in it, like you're so close to it. And so I think, yeah, give yourself some space to be in it. And I'll, I'll add here is an, and maybe ask for some help. Reach out and say, hey, I'm having a real hard time. I would really love to talk through where I'm at. I mean, of course, I have the luxury of having a lot of coaching friends. And so I have the ability to call a lot of people when I feel like, oh, like something's not jiving right now. So that even just talking it through with somebody, it's maybe not going to like magically, you're not going to maybe end the call thinking, wow, everything's awesome. I think it it depends on the nature of the call, but I think it can give you a lot of relief. And I think it can give you hope. Mm -hmm. And I do think hope is a very vulnerable feeling because you ultimately don't have control over everything. And so to even hope, like I think about like in early days of my son's uh, or vision experience, hoping that he would have vision was all we were doing, right? He doesn't in his uh, right eye. But I remember how I was like, almost just didn't want to hope because in hoping, I feel like I was going to get let down. For someone that is that in that place, I would say, have the courage to hope. How do we shift our mentality to hope and to know that we don't have to be stuck in that defeated, depleted place. This is not forever. We do have choices still. How do we remind ourselves when we're just bent to feeling a little empowered to rise up? Yeah, that's a really good question. I love the way that you asked that. It's recognizing what's actually creating that experience of hopelessness or powerlessness. It's almost so subtle that it's easy to miss that most of us think that the reason that we feel, let's just say hopeless, let's just say that you, okay, so let's say medical bill, $10,000. My people, right? Deductibles do $10,000, not in the bank account. Okay. So you're going to feel, I don't know, panicked, scarce. Like there's going to be a lot of feelings that you have Mm -hmm. from that. But it's based on your thought about it. Okay. So if you have a thought like, this is no problem, I'll go earn $10,000. Then you're going to feel maybe annoyed because you have to pay the money. I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you think about the $10,000 bill, this is impossible. 
you're going to feel hopeless or you think nobody's going to help me. You're going to feel alone. And of course, everyone's going to have a different relationship with it. And you might have multiple relationships with it in the sense of like, when I say relationship with it, that, that means like what you think about it, what you think is true about that. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about this is that most of the time when we're having that thought or the relationship to that thing, it occurs to us as fact. I can't pay this bill. That feels like a fact. Mm-hmm. That is not a fact. That is their interpretation. The only fact is there is a $10,000 bill. You also could have the fact that could be a fact that I don't have $10,000 in my bank account, right? So they could still think I can't pay this bill, but you could see this, right? Like maybe since you're like an all-star fundraiser, <laughs> you could see this and you could be like, this is easy. Like that could be your thought about it based on, and of course our thoughts are all coming from our history, from our evidence, from all the things that we've seen and not seen and all of it, right? So all of us are having very different relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I think for somebody that feels hopeless or powerless, it's recognizing that the where their power is, is in the relationship to what's happening, the relationship to the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that, yes, some of the circumstances in their life are big and hard. And, you know, everyone looks at them and agrees that, wow, that is, that is, that is a doozy, but it doesn't indicate, it doesn't determine how it has to be for that mom. It definitely is a muscle to build as far as being aware and distinguishing your thoughts versus like this facts. But I would say that for any human, I think it's a valuable skill. And I think for any special needs mom, it's an essential skill. That's definitely a great place to, I don't want to end this conversation because there's so much more I could ask you, Kara. And I so appreciate your, your heart and your coaching skills and I hope every mom really takes this in because we do, myself included, tend to think of our thoughts as facts. But if we change our thoughts, it really can make an impact. And I don't mean like pie in the sky, la-di-da, like change your thoughts and, you know, $10,000 shows up on your doorstep. I don't, but we, it's really how we interpret the situation. And we really, we can bring hope and possibility to our circumstances. We can. One of the, the women that I work with, she was talking about uh, bathing her daughter, which was like her daughter has, happens to be self-injurious. And it's just, it was a situation that she hated, right? And she just a simple switch for her from I have to do this to I'm choosing to do this. For her, it wasn't like get to do this. Like she's like, no, I don't get to do this, but I am choosing to do it. Mm-hmm. That simple switch made her feel less like a victim in the situation where her daughter was doing all these things to more like, I'm the mom, I'm taking care of her. Just a subtle shift there relieved her from a lot of negative feeling that for her wasn't serving her. I want to put in one last thing as we wrap up as far as for those of you that feel like, oh my gosh, yes, I am spinning in decision fatigue, overwhelm, like I can't even land. I want to invite you to do a simple exercise and that is get a piece of paper, just a simple notepad is sufficient and just dump all of them out. Dump all the decisions that you think you have to make, big or small, whatever comes to your mind, maybe big ones, write them down, get them out of your brain and onto paper. Then I want you to identify what feeling you're trying to avoid by avoiding the decision. Like, so maybe like awkwardness, I don't know. 
but understand like what you are actually trying to avoid. Because usually when we look at something head on, we're like, oh, that's actually not that bad. It's when it's in the vagueness and like the undistinguished place that it feels bigger. Write this list down. And then I invite you to make a decision on everything on the list. To do this, you will have to be willing to make a promise and then change it as you get more information because you might not have all the information. But I promise that you will feel so much better after you do this exercise. You'll feel relief. You will feel more powerful and capable because you have taken back the reins of your mind instead of allowing it to kind of just take it, take you wherever it wanted to take you. That's so good, Kara. Oh my gosh. So for our listeners who want to keep hearing from you, hear your podcast, how do our listeners find you? Thank you. Yeah. So I'm readily available over at Kara Riska on Instagram. My website, very creative, Kara Riska. Com. And uh, the, I'm sure the spelling will be in the show notes, but it's K-A-R-A-R-Y-S-K-A. And I have, I want everyone to know about a coaching group that I have being mom together. And the idea here is we're having these conversations weekly in a small group coaching setting with moms, just like yourself that are, we all want to get understood, right? And that's, this comes up all the yeah. time as special needs mom. So yeah. the intention of this group is being known, but being known uh, in in kind of surrounding yourself with women that are saying, yeah, I don't want to stay stuck. I don't want to stay like paralyzed. I want to actually move forward and enjoy this life in spite of the serious, like unexpected things that came my way. So that's being mom together. And, um, I have links on my website. It's easy to find on my Instagram. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Even if you have more questions about decisions, I'd be more than thrilled to have an Instagram conversation with you. Um, It delights me to be a resource to this community. You're so fantastic, Kara. Thank you so much for, for being here. And I look forward to seeing you. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. If you've been listening to this podcast or following me for a while, you know how important my mentors have meant to me and how much I value therapy for self-care and healing. These important people have been my rocks through thick and thin since my journey with Ryan started back in 2003. BetterHelp is a professional online therapy and counseling service which gives you secure, personalized help when you need it. They offer their counseling and therapy sessions through video, text messaging, and phone calls, making it easy to fit into your busy schedule. They know that not everyone's struggles and needs are the same, and that's why within just a few days of signing up, BetterHelp will assess your specific needs and goals and match you with a real-life counselor focused on helping you along your personal journey. I love their platform because it really puts a focus on accessibility and personalization, and they do also offer financial aid services. So if you've been unsure about seeking out therapy or help, this is a great way to test the waters. I will leave all the details in the show notes and you can access our link for 10% off your first month at www.betterhelp.com backslash we are brave together. Thank you friends for listening to today's show. We created We Are Brave Together so that caregiving moms would not feel like they are alone. So please join us. 
Also, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, and I hope that you will share it with other friends who are in the trenches of motherhood and need some inspiration and resources and support. And thank you so much for being with us today. 